This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. Yesterday was the first Tuesday of November. You know what that means. Election, baby. Election, baby. No midterm election, obviously. Uh... No congressional elections, nothing on the federal level. We just have a smattering of random-ass elections in total off years. And now Kentucky has lost its Republican governor. Mm. Matt Bevin, gone. He lost. See ya. Now, a lot of... uh, A lot of insufferable dipshits are probably looking at this result, seeing uh, boring vanilla Democrat Steve Bashir beating Bevin and thinking that, hey, this is Amy McGrath's time to come in (laughs) and ditch Mitch. Now, I don't want to steal the Trillbillies bit too much, but there are specific things about Bevin, I think, which uh, made him particularly unpalatable to Kentucky voters that I don't think you can immediately uh, project onto Mitch McConnell. And so if you are looking at last night's result and thinking United States Senator Amy McGrath, hold those horses. Hold on to them for a sec. Hold on to those Kentucky horses. Hearing Bashir's name in the news, this is the Democrat who won, who beat Bevin, uh, it reminded me of the last time I had heard the name Bashir was that MSNBC guy, Martin Bashir, who got fired after he said that Sarah Palin should literally eat shit. <laughs> that seems so mild at this point. So long ago. So long ago. Yeah. Uh, Dems took control of Virginia State Assembly, huh? That's right. Lee Carter. Lee Carter re-elected. won re-election. Uh, so did Danica Rome. All all the gang won re-election, and they flipped the House. They flipped the Senate. Democrats now in charge at every level in Virginia. We're going to see how they're going to disappoint us. Yeah. One one thing we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for is uh, labor law. Virginia is a scare quotes right to work state. Now Democrats have no excuse to not do something for labor in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Let's see what their excuse is going to be. Some of the downbeat news from last night in Seattle, City Council member Shama Sawant looks to be in trouble uh, after ballots have been counted. Some of the, I guess, vote totals from that day, she's down. Of course, there's a ton of mail-in ballots still left to be counted, so she still has a chance. But it's looking like Amazon may have succeeded in Seattle in taking over the city council there. Yeah, there were a few candidates who received a lot of money from Amazon-backed political action committees, and crossing my fingers that the mail-in ballots push Sawant over the line. I think we all remember when she won her seat on the city council in 2013, we thought it was just the coolest fucking thing, and that we could not believe there's just a dog a, crying over a here. Dog crying over o- here. Over Shama Sawan. I know it's sad. Like <laughs> we cannot believe a socialist was elected to city council, but look look how far we've come since then. 
a tenth of uh, Chicago aldermen currently DSA members. We have DSA members elected all over the country. Uh, so I know. I guess that's progress. Progress. Hopefully she. Either way, hopefully she wins because we don't want to see a, a trendsetter lose in this regard. And so, yeah, let, let's get her over the line, mail-in ballots. All right, going to jump into the newscast here in a second. I saw this bit of a story. I'm not sure what it means, how important it is, but just thought I'd bring it up. A record 1,332 CEOs have left their position through October this year. That's a record number. Number of CEOs exiting this year beats the previous record of CEO exits through October in 2008 during the Great Recession Mm. when 1,257 CEOs left. Maybe this means nothing. Maybe this is a coincidence. Or maybe rich people can see the writing on the wall and are cashing out right now. Do you think it means anything, Sam? Uh, I, you might be onto something. I also wonder whether or not the uh, aging boomer co- cohort needs to be calculated for here in some way. Mm, maybe. As well, far as far as I'm concerned, they're not aging fast enough. <laughs> okay, boomer. Well, uh, maybe these CEOs are seeing that inverted yield and are like, all right, let's just uh, take our golden parachutes and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's probably correct. All right, it's Wednesday, November 6th, 2019. Here's the news. House Democrats confirm that public impeachment hearings are set to begin next week with a trio of witnesses slated to tell the public what they already told House investigators behind closed doors, mainly... The details of a shadow diplomacy effort led outside the State Department by Rudy Giuliani that hinged on holding assistance to Ukraine hostage until Ukraine's president announced an investigation involving Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. The witnesses include William Taylor, a diplomat to Ukraine, State Department official George Kent, and former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Maria Yavanovich. At some point, Trump's ambassador to the EU, Peter Sondland, will likely be asked to testify in public. In his initial testimony to House investigators, Sondland claimed to have not known about any sort of quid pro quo involving aid to Ukraine in exchange for dirt on Trump's political opponents. However, Sondland has since changed his story. In revised testimony submitted to the committee this week, Sodlin suddenly remembered a specific meeting in Warsaw on September 1st in which he explicitly told a top Ukrainian national security advisor that aid was tied to a corruption probe into Biden. Quote, after that large meeting, I now recall speaking individually with Mr. Yermak, where I said that resumption of U.S. aid would likely not occur until Ukraine provided the public anti-corruption statement that we had been discussing for many weeks. Not sure how this meeting just slipped Sondland's mind. It seems directly related to the questions he's been asked. Anyway, next week, public impeachment hearings. I know we're often very cynical on this show, and I know that Democrats can't be trusted to handle all of this correctly, and already there are signs of mishandling. But the dang president is likely to be impeached, and... That's something. We'll cover the hearings as we see fit next week. 
The Supreme Court is hearing an environmental case today, which unsurprisingly has industry lobbyists in the Trump administration on the same side, horny as hell for polluting companies. The case actually involves local officials. The Solicitor General is just taking the side of lax enforcement. County of Maui, Hawaii v. Hawaii Wildlife Fund is about to what extent the Clean Water Act applies when groundwater is involved. Three former EPA administrators filed a brief warning the Supreme Court that it's threatening to overturn longstanding precedent if it takes the White House's side. Two Dems and a Republican, the trio said the EPA has for decades used a pollution elimination program, quote, when it can be proven as a matter of fact that those pollutants traveled through groundwater. But now the Trump administration is arguing it shouldn't matter if surface water is polluted through groundwater, even if you can prove it in court. The country's biggest corporate lobbying group, the Chamber of Commerce, agreed with the White House's point, of course. It wrote in filings that applying the Clean Water Act to groundwater creates, quote, a morris of duplicative and potentially conflicting regulation. Oh my God, dude, are you okay? Is your multi-billion dollar industrial chemical company okay? Turn on your location, are you okay? Another major corporate lobbying group took fake victimhood even further. The inappropriately named National Federation of Independent Businesses said, quote, It is highly problematic for ranchers, farmers, and other small business landowners when they are denied their common law right to put their lands to productive uses. Finally, someone is speaking up for landowners. I mean... <laughs> No one. I mean, go back to the very founding of this country. Landowners have never been represented. <laughs> Moving on. U.S. spies on Wednesday asked Congress to reauthorize surveillance authorities that the NSA admitted it had abused and no longer uses. This occurred during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing examining expiring provisions of the USA Freedom Act passed in 2015. The relevant program here is the Call Detail Records provision under the USA Freedom Act. This was the program originally underpinned by Section 215 of the Patriot Act that we learned from Edward Snowden in 2014 was used to collect, in bulk, the call records of virtually everyone. In 2015, that program was reformed, prohibiting the government from engaging in Call Detail Records bulk collection and instead forced the NSA to submit FISA court-approved requests to phone companies to then receive call records. Well, we recently learned that that reform did not help to prevent mass illegal bulk collection by the government. In fact, the NSA was forced to shut down that program due to rampant abuse. Here was Senator Dianne Feinstein explaining the latest reporting on that called Detail Records program. In June of 2018, NSA publicly announced that due to technical irregularities, the CDR program it had received data, had received data, that it was not legally authorized to receive. Moreover, the agency could no longer distinguish between records that were obtained lawfully and those that were obtained unlawfully. As a result, NSA announced that it would delete all call detail records acquired over the last three years. In August, the Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coates, confirmed that NSA had suspended the CDR program indefinitely due to its lack of intelligence value as well as its cost and compliance 
issues. Okay, so the authority the NSA has to continue this program that it stopped using expires at the end of the year. So naturally, the agency doesn't need this authority anymore, right? Wrong. The NSA and the Trump White House are asking for a clean reauthorization of everything in the USA Freedom Act that's expiring, including this now defunct call records program. Here's NSA official Susan Morgan trying to explain why. NSA's decision to suspend the CDR program does not mean that Congress should allow the CDR authority to expire. Rather, that decision shows that the executive branch is a responsible steward of the authority Congress affords it. As technology changes, our adversaries' tradecraft and communication habits continue to evolve and adapt. In light of this dynamic environment, NSA supports reauthorization of the CDR provision so that the government will retain this potentially valuable tool should it prove useful in the future. Again, the only track record the NSA has with this authority is in abusing it. Morgan also resisted giving any information on if the program has ever been helpful, which prompted a pretty eye-opening rebuke of the agency by several senators on the panel who just started speaking out of turn about how ridiculous all this is, both Democrats and Republicans. You'll hear here from Senator Dianne Feinstein, from Senator Mike Lee, uh, from Senator Ben Sass, and others responding to the NSA claims. Can you give any specific example of its help? Ma'am, in an, in an open, unclassified setting, I, I can't oh, no, give... No, 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 come on. Is, does it help? Ma'am, there has been value to the program, most certainly, over the past several well, years. what's that value? Sir, to speak to specifics on that value, I'd have to do that in a classified session, which I'm more than willing to do at your convenience. That, that, I'm sorry. That, uh, I, I'm just saying, look, that's inadequate. I've been on the Intelligence Committee for 26 years now. But we're in a public arena. I understand that. But if you can't give us any indication of specific value of the program, there's no reason for us to reauthorize it. And we're not asking for any specific disclosures here, yeah, as I understand it. We're simply asking for, have we ever won anything through this? Mr. And when Chairman, you can't answer yeah. that question in public, that is a really tough position. And Mr. if not, Chairman, there's a um, skiff right down the hall, I was just 100 say, yards from, from here. I will go there right now. I'm in a different <laughs> position substantively than Senators Leahy and Lee. Uh, I'm a defender of your program. But I also agree, if you can't answer this question, why don't we go to a skiff right now? I'll go to the skiff right now. I will go to the skiff right now. I my favorite one. <laughs> it's got good air circulation. You almost never see this much opposition to a position that the NSA has taken. It really shows how utterly absurd their position is here. There are also three other expiring spy authorities that senators are considering. The business records provision, which allows the government to collect things like bank records and library book checkout information. There's also the roving wiretap provision, which allows the government to keep up surveillance on a subject as they use different devices to evade detection. There are problems with each of these, but they are mostly non-controversial on Capitol Hill. Another expiring provision deals with surveillance on lone wolf extremists who aren't affiliated with any foreign terrorist organization. 
According to testimony from Michael Orlando, the deputy assistant director at the FBI, this authority has never been used. Never been used. So naturally, they too are asking Congress to reauthorize it. Again, these authorities all expire on December 15th unless Congress acts. The Securities and Exchange Commission released annual data today on enforcement. The report boasts of some high-profile cases, but shows more evidence that the Trump administration doesn't care about corporate grifters. Yesterday, as we, I know, surprising that President Donald Trump doesn't care about corporate grifters, but here we are. Yesterday, as we noted, the Financial Times released an analysis showing criminal price-fixing cases at historic lows, and now, today, low SEC enforcement numbers. Here's what today's report showed. 148 fewer enforcement actions last fiscal year than in Obama's last full fiscal year in office, FY 2016. There was also about the same level of enforcement staffing that there was in 2016, right before the agency lost one out of every eight enforcement staffers. They've obviously hired some of those uh, positions back. SEC penalties were also lower last year than they were in 2016 by about $100 million. The data release comes out at an interesting time for the agency. Yesterday, the SEC released a rule proposal that seems aimed at preserving corporate secrecy. Among other things, it would stop newer shareholders who own only a small amount of shares from submitting proposals about the publicly traded companies they own, which is their right under current rules. The LA Times headline described the proposal as, quote, a win for CEOs. Bloomberg noted that, Investor advocates are particularly concerned. And while I personally don't care much about investors, I do care as someone who likes it when corporate dirty laundry is aired. As noted yesterday by Maxine Waters and Sherrod Brown, the top Democrats on congressional banking committees, yesterday's proposal, quote, will limit shareholders' ability to obtain independent research. And that'll do it for the newscast today. Before we go, we have a haiku to read for a new subscriber on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the content we put out, plus your own haiku written for you and read on the air. This is for Dan, waiting patiently with a big-ass truck outside the WeWork warehouse. My man's going to clean up. Thank you, Dan, and thank you to all the new subscribers. Again, that's patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it on air. The show ends right now. We're back tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.